0: Okay, welcome back to What Is and What Could Be with Michael Clark, Architect. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate your time and that you are carving out some of your day to listen into this podcast series where we talk through how it feels to collaborate with an architect and what is involved in realizing an architectural project. We talk through the creative thinking behind the design of spaces and places. And today I wanted to share a short story. A story that I think is a great example of the role that designers, that is the architects, structural engineers and others can play during construction. That in fact, subject to um, popular belief that there is a role That there is design, debate, discussion, development, collaboration that occurs between this, what I would call new uh, members to the design team for this project. In the craftspeople, the tradesmen, the artisans, realising the project and the design team to date. And I say this because a couple of episodes before this one, I, I spoke at length about the construction stage and the design components and discussion that comes up, but I remembered a story that I really wanted to share. It's a great story, and it's a story that I'm calling Indiana Jones and the Cantilevered Carport. For those that know me and you've been listening to these episodes, you know I love a good connection to pop culture, and here we are linking this project I'm about to share with you to... A classic movie from the uh the 80s in fact i might need to be fact checked on that i wonder if it is the 80s or it is uh somewhere else and the i'm going to check this live for you of the lost Ark. is it 80s or is it 70s it is 1981 whew anyway <laughs> So it's a, it's a design project or a project that uh, we had design discussions during construction and the discussion, this story I'm going to share is going to relate to Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, hence the heading of this pod or the title of this podcast. And I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I can't take, uh, I can't claim that title and how it links to this, this project that came from the structural engineer, but we'll get into that. So... Here we are at what is and what could be. We're talking about the design discussion, dialogue, debate, collaboration that occurs between the design team that now also includes the builder and their team. Because as I said previously, I often come up against this in social circles and otherwise, even with uh, some clients, prospective clients or otherwise, that there's uh, a common misunderstanding that there is no role for the design team to play. And I get that, right? We have, to date, defined the design, uh, if you listen to the tender documentation episode, to a level of detail for a builder to be able to understand what we want them to build. And if we've done that and they've provided a price and a time frame and that all suits and we lock them in, then what's left? Well, let's get into that. So, this project was a project in Warunga which is North Sydney, just over the Harbour Bridge. And the project was a carport. (laughs) Now, I used to love saying that to structural engineers and and others, I'm working on this carport because by definition, it sounds pragmatic. It sounds utilitarian, practical. Ergo, it doesn't sound like there's any opportunity for design expression or flair let alone any development of that during construction so why is it featuring in this podcast well that's a great question and i love that it is somewhat contrarian because i believe or contrary i can't say that word it is a little bit left of field in thinking like a carport serves a purpose to protect the car in the absence of a garage or in addition to a garage and it has you know a roof and supporting columns so what what else is there from a design perspective. Well, here's the thing. This house was the existing house, which would be over 50 years old. I've not checked this. And in 2023, 50 years ago, uh, doesn't get you that far back as as it did in, in in my world. So I'd say it's probably well over 50 years old, but I've never looked that up, so I can't tell you. But it had some really important characteristics that meant that, if you like, an everyday carport was not going to suit. The carport needed to have some elegance, it needed to be refined, it needed to be somewhat restrained, it needed to read recessive so that it didn't dominate the streetscape or the house composition as viewed from the streetscape, which was fantastic. Now, a little bit on that, and just to be clear, I'm not going to talk about this, uh, the design development for the entire episode, I really wanna get into the construction and the link to Indiana Jones. But the existing house had a white rendered uh, base wall. Ground floor walls were white render. And then above that, it had a mansard roof profile. Now a mansard roof profile means that there are, is a roof, a conventional roof profile of, you know, a normal pitch of 15, 20 degrees or thereabouts, but that cranks towards the edge of the building to a steeper pitch of 70, 80 degrees. A pitch that more looks like a wall that's leaning than a roof. And what that does is it makes the upper levels, in this case, the first floor, read not as an extension of the ground floor, but as an extension of the roof. And it was quite this, you know, beautiful characteristic of the uh, original house. So you've got white rendered base, Slate tiled uh, mansard roof, which is 70 degree wall before 20 degree uh, roof above this wall. And then in between that, you've got dormer windows with uh copper roof profiles and the like. So very elegant, original composition. Meaning that, as I said, an everyday carport, if I can be a bit bold and crude, an everyday carport would not suit. It would be incongruous, it would be jarring. When it was viewed against the original house, and so that 's not what we wanted. We wanted something that was i 'm going to use a few uh, colloquialisms perhaps it was it was stealth, it was i said already recessive, subordinate uh, it looked like it may have always been there, but at the same time it wasn 't this you know pastiche reference to something or the way of building from 50 60 70 years ago so it had a contemporary component but at the same time it was seamless when read against the rest of the house now um important to talk very briefly about why a carport because it's linked again to ultimately me getting to the indiana jones uh discussion there Uh, The the street, uh, sorry, the footpath and adjoining areas have a lot of trees, a lot of tall eucalyptus trees uh, and and other species. And when I say tall, like 25 metres and they're about 6 metre canopies, excuse me, 25 metres, like incredible trees. But these trees drop gum nuts and tree sap and leave and, you know, they wreak havoc on cars. And I know this from personal experience. I've got the same situation. My car, I remember when I first moved into where I live, it uh, got some real black attacks. And I thought that was from smog and soot from the bushfires that were occurring at that time, but it wasn't, it was from an adjoining eucalyptus tree. So I need a carport, in fact, I don't need a carport. I need to find time to clear out my garage so that I can use it to store my car and I won't get these uh, effects on my white car. But the client, this client had this problem and the existing driveway was not wide enough to build a, a, well, the driveway was wide enough to build a garage, but that garage would have sat in front of the house, which wouldn't have been a great look. and to build the garage behind the house uh, wasn't possible because the width of the driveway at that point was too narrow to make a functional garage. You could store bikes and fitness equipment and whatever else stairmaster surfboards you know it would be great storage but it wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to park a car so it needed whatever we were doing needed to sit in front of the house where the driveway was wider and if you imagine a uh, a rectangular site layout which is fairly normal in, in australia that you get sites that are rectangles in the horizontal direction or landscape direction So street frontages are shorter than the side boundaries. Imagine that layout to the top of this rectangle. We've got a driveway that goes to the top right corner and hugs the top right, uh, top edge of this rectangle. And that top right corner is where the driveway to the street, uh, sorry, the crossover off the street is. But more importantly, at that corner, there was one of these notorious trees, beautiful trees, but they are the... uh, the original uh, precursor, the prologue or the catalyst to this project. And this particular tree, it didn't sit on the client's property, but in that corner of the site, you could probably reach out and touch the trunk, which is one metre wide, one metre diameter. And this tree, when you extend what's called the tree protection zone from the centre of the trunk of the tree for six metres diameter, when you plot that circle, so you do an offset from the trunk, which more or less aligns with the canopy of the tree, you have a, a zone that under the conditions of consent was a zone where any footings in that zone had to be hand dug and an arborist, so someone that's involved in understanding the health livelihood of trees and the impact that construction will have on trees uh, needs to assess what happens underground at that location and if there are tree roots bigger than 50 diameter so five centimeters then those tree roots cannot be cut damaged etc in honor or uh, to to help with the construction of a footing now if you think of a carport again rectangular form horizontal on the page landscape format You know, perfect situation is you have a column supporting the roof of this carport in each corner. And when we do that in this location where we want the carport, the two columns to the right-hand side, in this case the east-facing, would foul these tree roots. So we can't do a normal arrangement. Forget what I said about elegance and the original house and all those efforts. Even if we wanted to just do an everyday carport that had four columns and a basic, you know, color bond roof or whatever, that wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't have met the criteria for this tree protection. The closest we could get that, that the right hand pair of columns was about five meters from the edge of where we we're going to position the, the carport. Now we can't move the carport in entirety like take the whole roof and move it back to clear this tree protection zone, because it's going to start clashing with the house and the narrow part of the driveway, it was basically not going to work. So the preferred position was the roof. All we could do was push the columns. And what that meant is that that right-hand tip, the tip facing the street of this cantilevered carport, remember, we're going to get to Indiana Jones soon, uh, was five metres. 5 meter cantilever from the rightmost pair of columns. And then we had about 2 meters, 2.1 meters uh, to the left hand columns. So draw a rectangle in your mind's eye and make it horizontal landscape format. Pair of columns to the left side, go 2 meters in and you've got another pair of columns, then go 5 meters to the edge of this roof and you've got nothing but a cantilever. And this is where the complication comes in, the irony that this tree that created the need for a carport is also making the design development and ultimately construction of this carport complicated, Uh, but not impossible. Now, I'm not a structural engineer, but uh, any structural engineers or people that understand that profession will tell me that five meters is is not the end of the world. Like it's it's possible, it's, it's available, it's something that can be done. But the problem is we want something that, as I said, is seamless, is stealth, is elegant, that is recessive. So say we said, okay, to achieve this, excuse me, in a way that was elegant and fine and of a scale that's consistent with residential design, we didn't want a half a metre beam cantilevering. That half a metre beam might have done the job of um, not sagging, not deflecting, not bowing, but it would have looked a bit incongruous going back to that original idea. So we want to get down to something that's about half that size, maybe two hundred and thirty or three hundred. You know, the standard of a conventional, you know, everyday ruler that you'd buy for school and otherwise from news agencies and stationery shops. But that a cantilever five meters, the structural engineer was telling us that it would sag that it would banana, that it would bow, it would dip below plum, below dead horizontal, by about three centimeters, 30 millimeters. And that's not what we wanted, okay? That would be jarring. That's inconsistent with this design vision or response to client vision. Client vision is something that doesn't detract from the original house, something bowing at the tip over five minute uh, meters, not a great response. So the structural engineer said, Uh, take the pair of columns closest to the cantilever and build them 10 millimetres taller. So fabricate them one centimetre taller than the back pair. So if you imagine this, I'm using my hands in the vertical direction like I'm about to, I don't know, karate chop someone or say hello to someone, but I'm turning them to the side. I've got a pair to the left, a pair slightly from that and uh, that's on my right. And the pair on my right, I'm pushing up 10 millimetres. And so when I connect the dots for the beam, it means that the beam, when installed, will be pointing up, not pointing level, not pointing down. It'll be pointing up when you connect the dots about 20, 25 millimeters. So in fact, an inversion of what we didn't want. And I might hear you saying, but that's what you didn't want. Whether it's pointing down or it's pointing up, the idea is we have this level edge. Again, we're not looking at cranked, dramatic, uh, structures that flare off and announce themselves. We're trying to do something seamless and elegant. I've got slate roof on top. I've got a bit of a mansard profile to some of the roof to connect it to the original building. Uh, I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about the uh, the design. This is more the design, development and resolution, and particularly during construction. So I won't go there, but whether it points up from horizontal or points down from horizontal, both are not what we want. But here's the catch. When you load that element, uh, the beam that's pointing up with roof structure and roof uh, tiles and all the elements that are what we call the dead load, the inactive load, so not water and and, and rain and people, which is what we call live load, it will level off. It'll go to plumb, which sounds fantastic. And I was truly convinced it was a great idea from structural engineer, Scott Batty, who hopefully I'll get to have on the show at some point. He runs a company SDA Structures in uh, in, in Dremoyne, Sydney, and he came up with this suggestion. Now, when we were sitting with the builder to look at the fabrication drawings, the builder raised a justified concern. How do they build off a surface that every load they apply is correcting? So think about it. In a perfect world, whether it's on a slope or vertical or dead horizontal, you just want at each layer from structure to substrate to finish layer and all the things in between, you want the surface to be parallel. So you know that the end result when I put a spirit level on it is plumb across its length, width, height, whatever it is. We don't want the alternative. So this poor builder... Who did minimise their concern? I've got to say it was a completely, as I said, justified concern. They were worried that they'd put framing on one day, and then the next day, and it'd go from twenty-five mil above horizontal to, you know, twenty mil, and then they've got to pack and adjust for the next bit, and then it goes down another five mil, pack and adjust for the next bit. I mean, I say this, and it sounds like a nightmare. You're continually updating, adjusting the the structure to suit. And so I said, okay, this, this is not what we want. Like even though the builder was saying it's his problem, I don't subscribe to that way of collaboration and working. I thought, well, there's gotta be a way around this. I asked the structural engineer if there was a way we could add temporary loading to this structure to pull that rake down and make it level for the builder to work off. He said, yes, there is we can add two 500 kilogram bags of sand to the left and right hand side of the uh, carport. So in the corners where preferably we would have had columns, 500 kilograms, so half a ton of sand to these corners and hang that there and it will pull the structure down. Sounds great, he's got a level surface to work off, but, and this is why I can't take claim for the name of this podcast episode, the structural engineer said, we've got a problem that's similar to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, for those of you that don't recall, Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, 1981, uh, John Williams music, you know, classic movie. Uh, For anyone that has kids and you're thinking of, uh, you know, using it for movie night, I'll warn you that my wife and I thought that would be a great idea. And we watched the first 10 minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark, maybe even longer, and said, this is not what I remember. It's actually quite gory. And, uh, you know, there's some disturbing moments. And I don't know. I don't know that in 2023, it would get a PG rating, which is what it got at the time. So watch out if you're trying to introduce your eight-year-old son to that. Not sure that it's appropriate. But the first scene has Indiana Jones going down this tunnel, looking for this piece of treasure which is a small statue the size of you know of an iphone or maybe a little bit bigger and the issue is that he needs to replace the weight of the statue with the equivalent weight in sand because the statue is sitting on some sensor that indiana jones is worried will you know if the sensor goes off and it registers that the statue is no longer there there'll be some trap that's unleashed and everything will be diabolical And so there he is, Indiana Jones, sweating brow, classic John Williams music. And I promise I'm not going to turn the whole episode into an analysis of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I just want to set the scene and I love a good comparison story. And he's wiping his brow, he's lifting the hat, he's got the sand and then John Williams music is playing in the background and he swaps it over and it all looks fantastic, mission accomplished. Well, it, it didn't work for whatever reason. And this steel, this massive steel ball comes rolling down a tunnel that's opened up towards Indiana and he's got to run off. Now, this is not the experience that we wanted our builder to have and the result we wanted for my client's carport. So... Even though I would say that the builder, a person called John Gray from North Shore Carpentry and Joinery, he has the disposition to pull off that kind of uh, Indiana Jones role. He has that demeanor. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, excellent builder, achieved a great result on this project. But um, what he needed to do, comparing it now to Indiana Jones, is he needed to remove the equivalent late, uh, weight Sorry, he'd loaded on this carport from these sandbags. So, that's the Indiana Jones connection. When he loaded hundred kilograms, say on Monday, of structure, permanent structure, he needed to remove the equivalent sand in the temporary structure as he went. So, put on, remove, put on, remove, put on, remove, until a point where, you know, the roof is fully loaded and the sandbag is empty. Because if he didn't do that, you're doubling the design load that's applied to this five-meter cantilever. And you're going to find that it sags that you're building, and even though you've got a level surface to start with, it's going to eventually correct to going below dead plumb horizontal. Now, if you want to see this in in uh, real life, I have uh, photos on my Instagram page. It's Clarkitect. That's my handle, and I took some photos of these sandbags having hanging. And I suppose if you're ever driving around, walking around, seeing construction sites or seeing a carport and you see these sandbags hanging off the edge of the carport, uh, don't think that that's necessarily a uh, fairly progressive way of storing sand to avoid it getting wet or, or whatever. It could be a way of temporary loading structure to make it easier for the builder to build off. And that's the end of that story. And I wanted to use it to note that if we, that is the design team, including the builder, didn't sit down to list our concerns with how this is going to be realized and workshop then and there, how we were going to resolve that, then the builder would have had some difficulties. And I wouldn't put it past this builder to to work that out, but at the same time, what would the result be to the finished product? you know, the craftsmanship or and the, the artisan's work is, you know, assisted by the design team coming in, in this case, to provide options to make it easier for them to realise the result. And if we weren't there, I'm not sure how that would have taken place. So there you go. Indiana Jones and the cantilevered carport. A story of clearing tree roots Uh, which is why we had the cantilever. The closest we could get the column to the edge of the awning was five metres so as to avoid these tree roots. And that resulted in some complications, both in terms of design and, most importantly for this episode, in terms of construction. Okay, that's it from me. Short episode, as I said. Thank you for listening in. If you thought this episode might be relevant or useful to a colleague, consultant, relative whoever, neighbour, please do share it. It really helps or leave a review. Uh, Until next time, or if you do want to reach out to me before then, please do. My email is michael.arron.clark at gmail.com. michael.arron.clark at gmail.com. That's double A-R-O-N dot C-L-A-R-K-E at gmail.com, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Or you can just Google Michael Clark Architects or look me up on Instagram. My handle is Clarkitect. I'd love to hear from you. Until then, or until next time, thank you for listening. You've been with me, Michael Clark, architect, listening to what is and what could be. Thanks for your time. See you later.